Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thanks for listening to Activate, a podcast from Journey Church International. I'm Brandon Reeb, and joining me today is Pastor Christian Newsom, founder and lead pastor of JCI. Today, we will continue to t- a discussion of our current series, Family Strong, Fighting for Your Family. But Christian, I thought today we'd start with a listener question. Uh, we received this question this week, and they, the, the listener says this, I have a friend who is facing some family struggles. They are balancing a busy schedule with their kids, finances are tight, and there is tension in a few relationships. How can I best encourage them through this difficult time and help them understand how important it is to build a strong family of faith? I hope that question didn't come from my wife because that, I mean, that describes like our life so often, right? We are so busy with kids, you know, trying to manage relationships, expectations, ministry, everything else. So I get that question and probably everyone listening to this, if you have kids, between the ages of four and 18 could ask this question. So how important is it to build a family of faith? What can they do? Well, first, they need to have a deep and impactful connection to a person of faith. They need to be connected to Jesus. I would challenge them every day for the next 40 days to begin their day with 30 minutes of reading the Psalms. Just take one or two and read them journaling their thoughts to God. Okay, I'm reading the Bible. What am I thinking just two or three sentences, and listening to worship music. 30 minutes of doing that every day for 40 days. I might also give them the book Jesus Calling. You can get it at any local um, Christian bookstore. Uh, For the crazy days when they only have 60 seconds, it allows people to hear from the heart of Jesus every day, even if it's just a 60-second soundbite. Secondly, I'd be sure they have a deep and an impactful connection to a community of faith. Get super committed and involved at a church so that the community at that church church becomes a spiritual family. I would rearrange everything to do that. And then the third one would be the big one. I challenge them to reset their life around God and family, write out what a healthy schedule revolving around God and family looks like with a goal to actually begin living that schedule in the next 90 days to six months. It can't happen overnight. But if you'll write it down and you'll take three to six months to try to get there, you'll get closer. Uh, And in that time, make the hard changes or the hard adjustments that are needed to make it happen. Um, They might need to meet with a counselor or pastor in that time. That'd be good. But one by one, begin to make changes with a drop-dead goal of having a reset life six months from now. Thanks for the question. Uh, That won't be an easy change, but I promise it'll be worth it if they try to make it. Christian, I really like the first first one you mentioned to read through the Psalms, because if I remember, um, as, as we've been reading through the Bible reading plan at JCI, we just read through the life of David and David wrote a lot of the Psalms. He did. And if anybody struggled with his family through, throughout his life, it was, it was David. Right. He can relate. And here's the deal. There's a lot of scripture you can read just like there's a lot of things you can put on a wound. Like when, when you pour, um, when you pour some stuff on a wound, man, it burns like crazy, but it cleans it. When you put other stuff on a wound, it's soothing. Uh, the Psalms are soothing. For a wounded soul, the Psalms are soothing. So there's, you know, we could put some peroxide in there and it, it might clean the soul fast. But I burn a little bit. The Psalms are soothing for a schedule that needs to slow down and focus on God. That, that's where I would start. 
So we really hope that you would take advantage um, of asking us questions. You can send us your question to activate at takethejourney.cc, and we really appreciate those questions. Uh, let's jump into your message. You've, you've entitled this message this week, The Yellow Cup, and I hope people go and watch and listen to your message because it's, it, it's really good. But let's, let me ask you a question. Last Sunday, you challenged everyone to write down three words that they hoped their family would become. You mentioned that you were going to do it a little bit differently. You were going to give every member of your family an opportunity to ask or to give a word. Right. I'm curious, what was your word that you chose for your family and, and why? So my word was Sabbath. Like, I hope that my life, my marriage, uh, my family, and then generations to come, we are, we are known for the way that we Sabbath. Uh, okay. So Sabbath is a word that's both a concept and a, and a period of time. Uh, as a concept, it's a, it's a term that means spiritually satisfied and complete. It's a soul that's at rest. It's a soul that believes God is in control. It's a spirit that says, I'm not going to worry. So when, when your heart is at rest, basically you trust that God is in control and you let your emotions be based off of that fact. So I'm not there yet, but I hope I can, as a, as a Christian, become someone who has a soul that's in Sabbath, a soul that's at rest, believing no matter what happens, God is in control. And I pray I can pass that down to my family. But as a period of time, a Sabbath is a holy stop. It's not just a day off. It's a it's a holy stop to be satisfied with who God is and what God has done. Uh, God, on the seventh day of creation, took uh, the first Sabbath, a day of rest. That's what it's modeled after. Not because God was tired, but because he was done and he just wanted to be satisfied in his creation. So this holy stop in my life plays out in four ways. And you've heard me say this on this podcast. I want to depart daily. I want to withdraw weekly. I want to quiet quarterly. I want to abandon annually. So I pray that my family, starting with me, my marriage, my kids, were known for a heart that is at spiritual rest, that trusts God at all times and all things. And then I pray our life is marked by that, by allowing ourselves to have time every day where we stop, because God is con in control. A day off every week where we relax, because God is control, uh, in control. A, a weekend every quarter where we go away, because God is control. And a time we abandon annually, an, a an annual vacation where we just Sabbath together. We trust God with everything in the outside world, and we just enjoy the presence of God and the presence of family. That's what I want to be known for. It's what I want my kids to remember about me, and I hope it's something they carry over in their lives. That's good. That's really good. Thank you, Christian. So this week, we took a closer look at a man named Job who lived thousands of years ago. He preceded even men like Jesus, Moses, and Abraham, and on the timeline of history. Yet the book of Job is the 18th book found in our Bible. Can you help us understand where Job fit in in history and how that relates to our responsibilities as parents to build strong faith in our children? So that's a great question. So as I put together my messages, I, I put together always a message that's twice as long than I can preach and I cut stuff out. This is one of the things I cut out. So I'm surprised you asked this question, but I'm glad because it was actually a point of the message and it was on the sermon notes and it was on the PowerPoint. And then I took it all out before I finalized it because there wasn't time. So yeah, the, a quick background on the book of Job. So Job scholars think is the oldest book in the Bible from a historical perspective that doesn't necessarily mean it was written first, 
but the time period that it existed in was before the rest of Scripture was written. We know that Genesis was written by Moses, who several times in Genesis and Exodus was told by God, write this down, uh, you know, in a, in a period that was several hundred years after Abraham had lived. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they never had a copy of Scripture, um, but they're mentioned in all of Scripture. So the fact that in the book of Job, the name Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is never mentioned. The name Moses is never mentioned. The law is never mentioned. The temple or the tabernacle is never mentioned. Tells us that this story happened before all those things were there. So scholars believe Job and Abraham actually lived in the same period of time. Job might have actually been older than Abraham. But when we understand that, it, it becomes a story that people of faith connected to God becomes a story that they told and knew that really taught uh, it taught us about how to trust the supernatural things that we don't understand. It opens, you know, in the throne room of heaven and we go back and forth many times there. It helps people understand there are things that work spiritually that we can't ever truly understand. But at the exact same time, it teaches us to trust God in spite of everything, especially suffering. Uh, so Job is a is a narrative that is thousands of years old. It's ancient. It probably happened before Moses lived and even wrote Genesis chapter 1. And it's of a man who connected to a God who Romans 1 says God speaks to us from creation. Job found him that way, not through the books of the Bible. And he lived for him that way and was righteous in his generation. So that that is the background of this man named Job. He had a heart that was deeply connected to God, not because of church, not because of a pastor, but because of the natural revelation that showed him that there was a God in the special revelation of God speaking to his heart about how to understand the things of God. Right. That's good. So Christian, one of my favorite points from your message was faith is caught through a family better than it's taught at church. As a youth pastor for many years, take a moment to discuss how you saw this play out in the lives of families in your ministry, maybe both positively and negatively. Sure. Well, Basically, I, if I state the fact, it is both positive and negative. Children often live up to the standard of faith that their parents have. Wow. And that's it. Children often live up to the standard of faith that their parents have and that their parents set. Children rarely surpass the standard of faith that their kids have. And, and when their kids are really, really on fire, sometimes parents step up. But it's rare. They usually come back down to earth. They might have a season or two where they're really excited. But for the most part, parents set the standard of their children's faith. When a parent's faith is strong, it's a very positive statement. When a parent's faith is lukewarm, it's a very negative statement, but ultimately the responsibility lays with the parent and their measure of faith. So really parents set the ceiling of what their kids can achieve spiritually uh, and almost, almost not all, but almost every teenager that I have dealt with is somehow struggling with the same things their parents are struggling with spiritually and succeeding in the same areas that their parents succeed spiritually. And I have found that the kids who are closest to their parents and the parents who are closest to God, they just have the most secure kids. They have the most uh, usually happy uh, kids. Uh, I find that the girls 
who are close to strong spiritual dads rarely ever get in any sexual trouble in relationships. There's just something about being close to a strong spiritual dad. I find that the guys who are close to a really strong spiritual mother, they treat the girls in our youth group with just a tremendous level of respect and honor. Uh, so the, the kids' faith, I mean, it really kind of it follows the parents' faith, which the parents faith is strong it's really positive if the parents faith is weak it's negative um sometimes a youth group can overcome that but not often usually the parents set the bar so that's why i love this podcast right so i give you the questions ahead of time and you come and you drop these golden nuggets of wisdom on us and i'm i'm frantically writing notes so i hope that you who are listening are taking notes. Will you say that line for us one more time? Children often live up to the standard their parents established. Did I get that right? Yep. Children, children's will live up to and usually do not surpass the standard of faith that the parents have lived up to. So the parents set the ceiling, you know, Michael, Michael Jordan recently said the ceiling is the roof. Um, not even sure what that means. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But he said it (laughs) for kids that, you know, the parents faith, is usually the ceiling of their faith. So Christian, let's talk about your parents for a moment. You mentioned that your parents were always your church leaders. You speak so highly and and often of your parents. And, and I know for me, I love to hear what others are doing and doing well. And I want to duplicate that in my own life. I want to try and copy it. So take us back to your childhood for just a moment and share maybe a specific example of how your parents discussed and modeled faith in your home. Sure. So I, you know, I made this point in the message. It, you know, my when I reflect on it, my parents were always my age leaders in church. Meaning that, you know, when I was in fourth grade, they worked with the fourth graders. When I was in middle school, they worked with the middle schoolers. When I was in senior high, they worked with the senior high. Not until this week did I even reflect on that and think, wow, they were supporting and engaging with me spiritually. I was telling a story about another mom in our church who's doing that when it hit me. My parents did that for me, and I probably was involved to the level of their engagement, not my engagement. And when I look back, you know, what did my parents do to help us set a culture of Christianity? One, they were super consistent. Like, we just we just didn't miss church. It was the culture of our family, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for a long time. We just didn't miss church. My parents, their schedule would revolve around it. And our schedule would revolve around the things they were in charge of revolved around church on Sundays. It was a priority uh, in our family. There were times I asked to skip and they would say, no, church comes first. When I started playing competitive sports and wanted to miss weekends of church at a time, my parents would say, no, um, church is priority. When I wanted to stay home and watch the Super Bowl, my parents would say, no, Sunday night church is a priority. And I thought, man, God doesn't even love church that much. (laughs) I didn't get to watch a Super Bowl until I was like in fourth or fifth grade because, I mean, it was just it was the priority of our life, uh, which for me just arranged my time to point me towards Jesus, which was good. So it was consistent. It was a priority. It was a catalyst. Meaning when I would ask my parents to miss church, and for me, usually it was for sports stuff. Uh, you know, I'd ask my parents, why, you know, why can't I go play in this game? Why can't I go play in this tournament? Why can't I skip church? And my parents would always say, do you, do you believe that your talent and ability determines your athletic future or that God is in charge of that? Do you believe God will bless you if you sacrifice for him? So 
church for us and spiritual things, it became a catalyst for if you like, if you'll give God his, if you will sacrifice and put God first, he rewards you. So for us, church and faith was, was a catalyst. It, we didn't even see it as sacrificial. We saw it as, as an investment that if we would invest in God, he would return that investment in us. Uh, obviously, we were dependent upon church. I learned that, you know, going through hard times in life, it was my parents' Christian friends, their Sunday school class, our church friends who came around us. And then for us, you know, spiritual life was family and community. My dad, you know, was the, the football coach at a high school, a uh, public high school. Uh, he led the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So, I mean, even when we were in elementary school and middle school, we had all these high school athletes in our uh, in our living room, sitting all over our furniture, hanging up the steps. Um, I remember going Christmas caroling in our small little town. You know, mom and dad taking all these kids from a public high school around door to door to go sing Christmas carols before coming home and having hot chocolate. I mean, it really was an ideal Christian child upbringing. And what I didn't realize is my parents could never choose Jesus for me, but boy, they, they gave me lots and lots of opportunities to miss and try again until I connected with a faith of my own. It was, it was just consistent. It was a priority. It was a catalyst. We were dependent upon it. And, and our spiritual family was our community. Oh, that's, thank you for sharing a sneak peek at that. Perhaps I can't help but thinking that there are some parents right now that are going, I want that for my family. I mean, what you just described. I would love that for my family. Let me ask you this question, and let me set it up with this. I love the bottom line of your message, and it was simply this. A stronger we always begins with a stronger me. And it's hard to help build a strong faith in our family unless our faith is going strong. So we don't have to wait until we are spiritually strong before we can begin to make a difference in the faith of our children, right? Exactly right. So so take a moment to encourage parents who may feel like their faith's not strong yet, and they really want to see a strong faith in their child. What can they do today to begin to make an impact in the faith of their child? So one, realize you can make a difference right where you are. I mean, if you've been a Christian a day you can make a difference by just allowing your child into your faith life and by living your faith life together. Probably the easiest thing is keep bringing them to church. I mean, just keep arranging their life to be at the altar. Just keep putting them in front of Jesus as many times as you put them in front of Elmo. Just keep putting them in front of Jesus so they can know who he is. And, and consider serving at least once a month in their ministry with them. Someone who says, I want, I want my kid to know that I love God, but I don't know how. Sit down with them in their Sunday school class and just smile at them when they answer a question. Hand them the crayon for their coloring sheet in the infant and preschool. Play basketball with them outside a youth group and put your arm around them at the end and say, man, I'm glad we can do church together. If you want your kids to know that you love God, then start living their faith life with them. Just be around. Be supportive of it. Uh, secondly, if they're young, read them the picture Bible. This was one thing we love to do. It's like a basically like a comic, the Bible in comic strip form. You can order it online. Just go Google picture Bible uh, and one will pop up. Your kids will love it. They'll bring it to you at night if you forget. And you don't have to know anything but how to read in order to read them the picture Bible. They probably have an online version now that you can just glance off your iPad or your tablet and read them. But that's huge a little bit every night. 
Um, give them a life verse. You know, my parents branded me early with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. Um, that was my mom and dad's verse for me, not my verse, but they gave me a sign that I could hang on my wall um, that I that I hung up, and it became my life verse. But they chose it, so choose a verse that means a lot to you, and and give it to uh, your kids, um, and then have those morning moments. Right, like we talked about in the message, have a morning moment with them, have dinner discussions, high low buffalo, what's going on, how'd that make you feel, uh, have some bedtime blessings with them, just just make it an active and important and intentional part of uh, of your life. I apologize for that ding in there while uh, while we were in the middle of the answer. I I got a text uh, on uh, my laptop that wasn't turned off, but I don't I don't think that ruins the answer. No, that was very practical, Christian. Thank you. And that's that's the beauty of this message. I hope you, again, go and listen to it. It's extremely practical and helpful. So perhaps our conversation today has sparked questions for you that are listening. We would love to answer those questions on the next podcast. So send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc, and we will do our best to answer them. And again, thank you for listening today. And we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. As you heard in this episode, Christian answered several questions from some of our listeners. You might have a question you'd like to ask as well. To submit that question, all you need to do is send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. Also, Share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.